Hey, do you ever feel like you're wandering in the desert? You know, in Camarillo, we really don't get that, right? We actually live by the coast. So, but it's actually what we call the proverbial desert. You know that place where, man, I don't feel you, God, anymore. I don't hear you, God, anymore. I don't connect with you, God. Or maybe the worst part is I don't understand you, God, and what you're doing. That can be a desert wasteland, a time where you're just wandering in your mind and in your soul and you can't feel connected, you can't feel close like that song we sing. And you sing that song and you're like, I don't feel a thing, Lord, instead of I feel everything. I believe God wants to meet us here today. If you're in a crisis, and I know there's a lot through whatever it is. It could be addiction, it could be financial, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could just be loss. It could just be you drifting away. I feel like today's a great day. And here's why. There's been so many issues just to get up here with lights and sound and PowerPoint and cameras. Everything has been off and we've had to readjust. So what that means is God wants to do something that the enemy doesn't want to happen. And so what we need to do is experience that and not let the moments go by. Not because I'm going to bring a great message, but because God is here. And whatever I say... Some of the times I say dumb things, but it's still trying to glorify God that gives you an opportunity to draw closer like Tara was talking about and abide in him. So if you're online, thanks for joining us. Stick around. If you're wandering and lost, that means that we're trying to speak to you from wherever you're at in this world. If you're outside, let's hear it if you're outside. <laughs> That's the best part. Still, if you don't know, if you're online, we have outside, we have indoors. And if you're indoors, God is going to speak to us all. I know that he's moving. And I know because the morning has been so tough that he wants us to be here. So when you're in the desert, how's your attitude? How's your perspective in the desert? And I'm not talking about the physical desert. But when you're wandering in this place of loss, what's your attitude like? What's your perspective? You know, most Sundays, the idea of a sermon is actually to help you in your perspective. Because during the week, your mind gets all uh, tossed and turned in multiple ways. Because of work, kids, food, finances, let alone your job and that evil boss. Or that evil employee. It's just how it is. And so by the time we come to Sunday, this is like a watering hole to refresh so that we can fill up and go, hey, I can do another week and celebrate the glory of Jesus Christ. So when I'm in the desert, my attitude is, why, God, why? Why me? Like this morning, I spilt a little bit of coffee and it's God's fault, right? I never blame myself, and so my perspective needs to change because I don't believe God determines everything possible in my life. I believe I have my own will that I make a lot of mistakes. But what I tend to do is I blame God. And so when we get into the desert, what happens is most of the time we complain and we blame. 
And the idea here is to get away from that mentality. And I really believe that's what God wants us to do. So I am so bad at this. And I'm just, I'm just an honest person. If you're new, I'm just as shocked that I'm the pastor up here too. Trust me, I guarantee you, I'm just as shocked. At 8 o'clock every morning, my phone gives a memory. And I'm going to show you this. And the first thing it does as I wake up, I get up between 7 and 7.30 just naturally. And the first thing that happens once I get a little bit of coffee, it comes up and says, thou shall not complain. That's Jephanonomy chapter 1, verse 1. The first thing I need to do is realize that if I'm living a life, and so my alarm comes up and just says, if I'm living a life of complaining, I'm really not getting close to God or abiding like Jared's talking about. Really, I'm getting into my will. And so I have to stop for a moment and say, Lord, take my will in my life, take my tongue and my heart, take the things that I have, and I give it to you. And you know what? By 8, 10, I got to do the same thing because life just keeps coming. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're grateful that you're here. This is an amazing church. We're different than most churches because we're trying to do something that I believe God has called us to do, which is to love people right where they're at. We're not trying to change you. We want you to come to church no matter what you believe. And we're going to let the love of God and the love that God has given us to let that, that spiritual thing take you on a journey to where you start loving God and loving yourself so that you can love other people. We are on a mission from God to love people. And it's not easy. I don't know if you know this. It's not easy to love. Sometimes it's not easy to love the person in your own home. But God's challenging us to love. And that's who we are. And uh, Jeremy's created this wonderful sermon series. He's currently in Alaska, and I'm sure we'll he'll hear six sermons about his Alaskan trip and the fish that he's going to catch. But he created this sermon series, and it's called Miracles. And in this sermon series, there's miracles in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that we're studying and learning so that we can grab something from that miracle. And here's the first thing that you need to know, that God's still working and doing all the things that he did in the biblical times today in 2022. I'll just sit here until you celebrate God because that's the purpose of church. Church has changed. 30 years ago, we used to come to church, and I know none of you are older than 30 years, but 30 years ago, we used to come to church to worship God. Now we come to church like it's Topper's Pizza or In-N-Out going, ah, I don't know if I like the flavor today. I'll be back or I won't, right? This isn't an opportunity for you to worship me or the band. It's an opportunity to get connected to the creator of the universe and come before him and worship him. So here's the thing. I said this at the beginning. Who needs a miracle right now? Who's online? If you're online, you can put an emoji up that's your favorite. If you need a miracle, are you outside? You need some miracles out there? One does, for sure. <laughs> Lord, we pray for that woman right now in the name of Jesus. And you know who she is, Father. 
But listen, I want to tell you that God told me a long time ago, 2015 or 16, at the Colosseum when I was worshiping, that God is still healing and moving. And a bunch of you saw that I posted about my friend Ricky that I grew up in elementary school, right? And uh, there was like 115 or 20 comments saying I'm praying for him. Listen, Ricky was near death. His brain was shut down. And now his brain is alive. The doctors are shocked because he's healing in the name of Jesus. And it's amazing. And it's because a group of you and a bunch of our friends have been praying. And listen, I don't know if you know this, but a bunch of my high school friends and, and, and uh, school friends are being ministered to watching God work in this kid's life. And the, the truth is, this guy was an idiot. He was mean to people, right? But God is using him to bring people to Christ. Isn't that amazing? Sorry, Rick, if you're watching, bud. <laughs> truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, so here's the last, uh, the next thing. Uh, I have a friend, her name's Stacy. She's in the ER right now. She's struggling, same thing, heart attack, cardiac arrest. She's only like 43, I married her like nine years ago. She's got kids. And so church, let's keep praying and show her family and the friends around her that God is big, amen. Her name's Stacy. I'll put something online, but she really needs it. The next 24 hours are critical for her life. And so I'm just coming before you going, there's no better place to communicate that, especially as we're doing this sermon series called Miracles. So if you have a moment in your day, I promise you it will, it will benefit her and her family. So let's go on a journey, pun intended. Let's go back to a desert part of the Bible. It's in Exodus chapter 16. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that when you go into the desert in your life, it's not fun. It's a tough place. And today we're going to go at the beginning of Exodus chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, great. It's not on the notes today. We had technical difficulties. But it's a place that the, the people of Israel start to have this desert experience. Now, as you join me, the beauty of going to the desert is you will get to see God's wonder-working grace take place. And so the reason why we're doing this sermon series is to open up your heart and mind to believe that God can do anything that he wants to do because that's who he is. That's the purpose of God. Now, I'm one of those pastors that I want to encourage you to do something. I don't want to, at the very end of the message, pull the magic rabbit out of the hat and go, wow, and everybody's like, whoa, that was cool, and then not know, understand. Let me give you the main point. Charles Spurgeon writes, and I think this is the key point, and what I want to do is I want to build on this. I want to build. That means let me give you the platform, and from this moment, we're going to build on what Charles Spurgeon says. He says this, trust to trust God in the light is nothing. But to trust him in dark, that's faith. Let me, let me give you a, a, an explanation. And when, when things are good, lots of money in the bank, the relationship's good, everything, it's easy to trust God. Man, he's so good, worship you, woo, Jesus. But in the darkness, that takes some faith. And I know in this church, there's darkness today from family members that have lost someone in this church for whatever reason. God has brought a group of us together to minister and heal. My friend Don said, sift us to get us right. We've got to learn to trust in darkness. And that's the beginning. So let's talk. Faith without trust is not faith. 
So this is kind of a freebie before we get into the text. Belief without reliance is empty. So the idea here is faith and trust. But a lot of times, if you go to the Webster Dictionary, it'll kind of give you the synonym, faith equals trust. But that's not really what it means. It actually has a little bit of a different variation. And so I want to talk a little bit about it. Trust is the active part of your faith. The dictionary defines faith as um, belief. And it defines trust as loyalty. They're different. They have different components. So let me give you an image. Anybody ever done the trust fall? Raise your hand, done a trust fall before. There, here, before I even go another minute, you got to type in trust fall memes or gifts or little videos. There's some amazing ones. So you got to look it up. I'm just telling you, if you want some laughs, go find them because some people do some stupid stuff. But that's not what we're talking about today. So a trust fall is this. And I really think this is going to help you understand faith and trust. So here's the idea. Faith in the trust fall is this, that I'm going to get here and I'm going to get back. And I have faith that the people behind me are going to catch me, right? That's the concept of faith. So I believe that somehow, some way, whoever God's put behind me, that I have faith. And so that's the idea of faith. Now, trust is the active part of falling back. So you got to look up the meme because sometimes they fall differently. So you got to look it up. I promise you'll be laughing and uh, it will really make your, uh, your, dinner, your breakfast or your lunch today amazing because it's hilarious on what some of the people do. The idea here is faith is one part of belief, but trust is the active component. And we need to understand that because if you really want a relationship with God, it's easy to believe there's something greater. You look up in the sky and you're like, wow, that's crazy. You know, but it's harder to actually trust down the road, especially in that dark time. And that's what we see Spurgeon talk about. So let's talk about trust today. As we go into the Bible, if you know the Bible or not, here's what's happened. They're about, today's story is about four weeks beyond them getting free from Egypt. Now, there's a great story about Moses in Egypt and the 10 plagues. There's a movie about it. And so, but here's what's happened they're now, the Israelites are fleeing from, uh, from Egypt, and they're heading to the Red Sea. And now, the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea is considered one of the greatest miracles of all time because of what happened and the, the, the way that he moved the water second to Jesus' resurrection, right? But it's considered, that might be the greatest miracle that we see in the Bible. But here's the thing you need to know about the Red Sea parting. God doesn't move the Red Sea. He parts it so that they can get through it. God doesn't move your problem. He parts it so that you can get through it. And, and maybe we need to teach on this this summer, he actually uses the Red Sea after to, to defeat his enemies, Right? So he can't get rid of it or then he can't defeat the enemies because everybody can get through. Right? So sometimes we need to understand that and maybe we need to understand that. So, so that happens and then three days later, people are complaining. They just had one of the greatest miracles of all time. And three days later, they're complaining. We don't got any water. Uh, the 7-Eleven syrupy machine's not working. There's no hot dogs on the rotisserie in 7-Eleven. It's terrible. And the people are complaining. And they come to this water hole, the water of Meribah, and they're like, oh, praise God, uh, uh, some water. And then they taste it, and it's bitter. But Moses, in his connection with God, he throws a piece of wood in there, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden the water 
is drinkable. So now, three weeks later, they come to this place in the desert, and that's where we begin. Exodus chapter 16. Here's what it says. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. Now that is actually not the English definition of sin. It actually means in Hebrew or Aramaic, it actually means Sinai between Elam and Mount Sinai. So there's a valley of Sinai. So it doesn't mean sin like you think it. It's just something that, that they named Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day, the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about, uh, complained about Moses and Aaron. So God put some leadership in front of his people. The guy's name was Moses. He had a burning bush experience. Moses stuttered. He had trouble communicating. So he, God uses his brother to be the mouthpiece for whatever Moses is receiving from God. And so people are now in this relationship, on, on this journey with God. And what happens is they're like, this leadership sucks. I don't know if you can say that, but um, if you have any trouble with that word, you can email me at jeremy at journeythechurch.org. We'd love to hear your complaints. But they're complaining because God hasn't done for me anything today. Not, did, he didn't just part them from the Dead Sea, uh, the Red Sea. He didn't just give them water to drink and then give them an oasis a few weeks later. You know, it's like, what have you done today, Lord? That was great yesterday, but I mean, today's Sunday. And I need you. So that's where we begin today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and ask that you work in a very powerful way. We claim today and ask for you to work. There's somebody here today that really needs to hear you. And if you can use me, great. But Lord, if you just speak to them, I pray right now that you break through whatever stronghold, whatever struggle, whatever issue it is. We claim you as our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So complaining is not trusting. Let's just be honest. When I'm complaining, I am not in faith. I'm actually going, ah, the leadership here is not very good. I need to change of command. I need to make some, some changes from the top down. I don't like what they're doing. And the truth is, I can do it better. If you get out of the way, then let me really do my work. And really, that's what I'm doing when I'm complaining. And the second part of complaining is it's contagious. Let me give you an example. There's this thing called COVID, right? And if you get in a group of people, whatever side of the aisle they believe politically or whatever, you say the word COVID in a group, and next thing you know, 12 people are going to go, and this is what happens, and COVID's terrible, or this, and all of a sudden, everybody is complaining about COVID. I have had to be in about five or six conversations recently going, some family, let's not talk about this. It's not really edifying, and it's not like I'm the one that probably started the complaining, right? The idea is to get it to stop so that we can actually have some meaningful conversation. Complaining is contagious. You guys ever been in a room and one person complains and now everybody's complaining? That's what we're talking about here. And that's what's happened. Now, the whole community are saying, Aaron and Moses, you have no business leading us. And that's where we're at today. Verse 3, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. What? I'm better off dead. 
There, there we sat around with pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve. Sometimes we reminisce. The past wasn't that bad. That 16-hour day and the oppression and the political slavery, that was easy. Because we reminisce like the past wasn't that bad. As a drug addict, I look back and go, yeah, it wasn't all bad. And I'm like, really? You ended up in jail, fool. So it was bad. The idea here is the enemy's great work is to remind us that the past wasn't that bad. These guys are like, we should have just died at the Red Sea. It would have been so much better. Really? You got a little bit of trial and you're just ready to die? Or even worse, go back to political slavery and oppression? That's what they're complaining about. That brings me to my first point. God's plan never aligns with your plan or my plan. He has a plan and it goes. And if you look at, if you Google the journey wilderness, it's all over the map. I'm, it's literally 40 years and it literally looks like a three-year-old is squiggled on a piece of paper. That's what it looks like. But that's God's plan to get them to where they're supposed to be. It doesn't align. I want A, B equals C and I want that done by 1130. All right. But that's not how God works. God has to get our attention, and you're going to see that play out. God's plan is different. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I am going to rain down fruit from heaven for you. Each day, the people can go out and pick as much food as they need for that day. Isn't that beautiful? God hears their complaints just like he hears my and your whining complaints, and he still provides. Even though the people have forgotten all the miracles that he's done. And just 30 days ago, remember, we're talking about June 27th or 30th. We're not talking that far. Remember June 30th? I was in Hawaii. It was a miracle for me to be there. So now it's like, oh, you got me in Hawaii is a miracle. But now what have you done now? I need new tires on my car. What are you going to do? Greg, can you help me out? I'll call you tomorrow, bro. I really do. Verse 4b, I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. See, part of the trial is a test. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So here's the thing. Here's the test. Obey or not. The whole purpose of a sermon on Sunday is to go, are you guys wanna, uh, do you guys want to be obedient or not? It's okay if you don't, but don't come back and complain. I'm not really connected to God. I don't understand. I don't know why he never actually does anything for me. Did, were you obedient this week? No, not really. But still, and you're dragging your feet. You know how you know, I, got, I got teenage girls. They drag your feet. I'm like, we just bought those shoes. I don't want to do that either. So, <laughs> Trusting God is obeying God. Trusting is being obedient. Listen, I'm not the most obedient person. God has had to work really hard because you ask my wife, I don't really like rules. I like suggestions. So my wife will go, I suggest, and that means, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So I don't, you know, so here's the thing. So listen to the story, though. You think the people are hungry. God doesn't say, open up your mouth, uh, my little babies, and let me feed you mama's milk. That's not what he says. He's not like, okay, open up your mouth, and we're going to feed you. He actually says, I'm going to rain down food from heaven, and then you're going to have to do something to get the food in your mouth. And it's not just pick it up. You're going to actually have to do some work. 
right? But what happens is you're like, well, you didn't really get it close to me. It's not in my mouth, so that must not be God. That's what they're complaining about. And here's the thing. Do you trust God? Miracles should lead us to great obedience. God has done numerous miracles. One of the greatest ones is today I'm clean and sober for almost 19 years, right? And I'm not looking for the applause. Sunday mornings, I was using more to get through so I could work on Monday. So Sundays wasn't a day to worship. Sunday was a day to recover and get the right mix so that I can make it to work. And now I'm using Sundays to worship God. The the miracle should lead us to obedience, but what happens? It doesn't. We forget because the enemy is the master of forgetting what God did for you last week. Man, I need to pay my mortgage or rent. And all of a sudden it shows up and you're like, well, I really want it out back too. Like, what do you want? Rent or do you want out back? Well, I want both. Well, I got you rent. That's what you get, right? But that's how God works and we forget. Here's what verse six says. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who bought you out of the land of Egypt. Listen, if you just pay attention and you stick with God, At some point by evening or morning, he will show you. And that's what he's telling. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him and not against us. What have we done that you should complain? They're complaining to Moses and Aaron. And they're like, man, it's not us. We're just telling you what God is saying. Similar to me as a pastor. The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? They say again, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. So if you're here today and you hate the message, praise God. Bring it to him. I'll listen to it. I'm really good at listening. But I'm just going to, as I walk away, going, man, that was a crazy complaint. Here you go, Lord. I got my own issues. I ain't got time to hold on to that, right? God's true character is in display in these texts. His true character, his mercy and his goodness. This is a favorite part of the message for me. God didn't curse them and cast down a, a fire from hell because they're complaining, right? That's what I would do if I'm God. Nah, you're a complainer. Zap, gone. Everybody's gone, right? There'd be nobody in the world because we constantly complain. What he does is he sends bread and meat from heaven. The best part is, he doesn't even demand his children to stop uh, complaining before they eat. That's parenting 101. You sit and eat whatever I put on the table, and if you don't like it, you're going to eat it for breakfast. Right, Mom? (laughs) So I'd get this cabbage and whatever in the morning, and I'm like, man, that was the worst fasting seasons of my life when we had something new. Parenting 101, you complain about it, you don't eat it, you eat it the next day, and someday you eat it. Hopefully, it like evaporates in the refrigerator, right? But not God. God does what Jesus says many years later. You know what? Love your enemy. And these people are treating their God like an enemy. That's what he's communicating here. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce to the entire community... Of Israel, present yourself before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. Complaining is still being heard. I mean, I, I mock the idea of complaining, but it's still being heard. 
but the perspective might change so that you might get something more out of it. Verse 10, and then as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, he looked out towards the wilderness, and there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the clouds. So they're complaining, they're angry at their leadership. It'd be like all of you complaining and angry at me and Jeremy for what we did this weekend or last week or the last 30 days. And all of a sudden God says, hey, there's something brewing in the clouds. Today it might rain. We need rain. My lawn, you should see my lawn, it's, it, it needs rain. But they see something in the distance and that's how God works. He speaks and brings something from a distance so that he can do something powerful. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites complain. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat. Know that I am the Lord your God. Here's the second message that you need to hear. God provides for us in the darkest of moments. Amen? When you hit darkness or you hit rock bottom or you're at a place where you can't hear God, you can't see God, you can't feel God, you can't taste Him or any of that, you know what? He provides. And He carries you through. He doesn't remove the Red Sea, but He gets you through the Red Sea. And then He uses that Red Sea to defeat your enemies or the struggles that you have, right? That's the second point. And this is a great place for our memory verse. This summer, we're going through this idea of miracles, and here's our memory verse. We want everybody to know this one verse, and it says this, I am the Lord, the God of all the people of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord. It might not be up there. I might have forgot to put it in there, but it's Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, and is there anything too hard for me? And the answer is no. The answer is no. So whatever you have going on, whatever relational issue that you're struggling with, it's the Lord's opportunity to do something. Whatever financial issue that you're going through, it's the Lord's opportunity. Whatever mental or emotional issue that you're struggling with, ask God into that. Because it says anything's possible. And we know that to be true because we read it. And the idea is that we have the attitude change and the perspective change to really feel that and understand it. Verse 13, that evening a vast number of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is food from the Lord that he has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as you need. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So what is it? It's called manna. It's called meat from heaven. God provides them food. It's manna. It's bread from heaven. God providing for his children. It's literally food from heaven. I, mean, I can say that, but you've got to understand what's happening here. There's no food in the desert, but there's food coming from God. It's incredible. So what does it look like? They've kind of tried to recreate some of this. This is what it would look like in the morning. And after an hour or two, it would dry up. And then they would make these flakes. And it was this really sweet honey type of wafer that they would make from it. It was wonderful. And it was a great miracle. And here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. Everybody say 40 years. It just wasn't one night or one day. It was a long time. Let's see what happens. God provides miraculous provision from heaven. But here's the thing. When God provides you something, there's always instructions with it. I don't know if you guys realize that, but there's instructions with it. Here, what they're supposed to do is when the manna's come down, they're supposed to let it dry, and then they've got to gather, right? And then they've got to make, and they've got to prepare. When God does something in your life, there's also instructions. It's just like, I'm going to take you to Disneyland and give you 500 bucks for all the kids, each kid 500, right? Because that'll last you to noon. He actually wants you to do something with your life and with the miracle and whatever he's provided with you. And here there's instructions. So when God does something, he wants you to follow, listen, obey, be faithful, love, trust, care for, do something beyond. Because when something happens in your life, it's just not given to you and you're fed. You actually need to do something with it. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some gathered a little. But when they measured it out, everyone just had enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered a little had just enough. Each family had just what it needed, and then Moses told them, do not keep anything until tomorrow. We'll get back to that. But here's the thing. God provides just enough. I'm going to let that sink in. He doesn't provide more than enough. He seems to provide sometimes later than what I expect. His 11th hour and 59 minutes a lot different than my 11th hour. Because sometimes he, he, we lose things that God says, you weren't really responsible, and so I need to take that. And it could be a house, a home, an apartment, a car, a relationship, because he's trying to get us to this place. But it says God provides just enough. But Americans were gluttons. I open up my fridge today. Oh, there's nothing to eat. There's so much food in there. A third world country could feed off my cabinet. But I open it up, there's nothing in there. Six boxes of cereal, all kinds of canned food, oatmeal, pasta, right? There's plenty. Not besides the bread and the eggs in the fridge and all kinds of stuff, but no, there's nothing because we don't understand what other people live like. And during COVID, the shelves have been a little bit bare than we're used to and we're panicking. Buy all the toilet paper. I need food, but I'm buying toilet paper. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> right? I don't know why. There's a couple people in Camarillo that have three garages full thinking it's coming back. If you have some, I could use a roll or two this week. Verse 20, but some of them didn't listen. So they, Moses told them, don't keep anything until morning. But it says some of them didn't listen and they kept it until morning. But by... by by then, it was full of maggots and terrible smell, and Moses was very angry. Are you one of those people? God says this, you're told this, and you do the opposite, or you gather more, or you hold. I, I, I tend to be that person. And the idea here is to stop being that person. And God protected them because it was full of maggots, and they had to 
disinfect and re-clean and heat the thing up. And I'm never going to do that again because it was disgusting. After all of this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes then they did not pick up, melted and disappeared. And this reminds me of what Jesus said in the, the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Man doesn't men, man doesn't live on bread alone. But it's by the very word of God that we live. And we're going to see that in just a second. So what do we learn in the desert? You've already heard two things. God's plan never seems to align with my plan. The second thing is God still uh, provides for us in darkest moments. But let me add two more. The other thing that we learn is God doesn't keep us in the desert forever. If you're in the desert today, praise God, you're here. Realize this, you're going to get through it. 40 years later, they got through it. Joshua chapter 13 to 21, 22 shows us in the Bible that they get through it and the land is divided amongst them. They go through a lot of battles. They go through a lot of stuff, but you're not in the desert forever. And the second one, uh, the fourth one, God doesn't want you. God wants us to learn to trust him even when it seems impossible. I don't know what you're going through today. I know there are a couple people that are really struggling. Some are just struggling with life, but some are just struggling with the things of this world and what's going on in their head. And if you're online right now, we love you and we're praying for you. If you're here or outside, we know that God is big and anything is possible. But the idea here is to trust God. Deuteronomy Chapter 8 is the last part of the message, and then we're going to worship some more. But here's God trying to explain the story and how it all ends. For 40 years, God provides food for these people. 40 years. I remember being, you know, moving out many years ago when I moved out of my mom's house and got my first place. I needed some food for a couple times during the week. We're talking like two or three days, not 40 years. In Deuteronomy, it's the second explaining of the law. All it is really means is the second law. Moses is basically saying everything that's already been done. And here he tells the story. And at the very end, there's another miracle that happens. It says, be careful. So Moses is telling the church, the people of the day, be careful to obey all the commands that I'm giving you today. And then if you're obedient, what will happen? Then you will live and multiply and you will enter the land. You will enter and occupy the land the Lord has given you. Listen, if you're obedient, you are going to live, you're going to multiply, you're going to have a life and God is going to give you what he told you he was going to give you. The idea here is to be obedient. And then it says, Remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness these 40 years. The 40 years is coming to an end. And he's reminding them, remember what happened 40 years ago and how we were complaining. Now it's coming to an end. He says, humbling you. He led you through these 40 years, humbling you, testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you will obey his commands. Part of the journey of the wilderness is to test your character. Do you believe or not believe? Do you trust or not trust? Are you really going to fall back into the arms of God? Or are you just going to say, I believe, but I don't really trust. I've got to do something. That's really hard today because the mindset of this world is we've got to do everything to make sure we fix it. And there's a lot of codependency here. Here's what it says. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you manna. 
a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. It's the only time in history this ever happened. It's amazing. And then he says, he did it to teach you that people do not live on bread alone. Rather, they live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You're here today. These words aren't mine. These words are God's. And I'm talking about the ones read. And we don't live by In-N-Out Burger or Topper's Pizza. We live by the word of God. And I promise you, if you start chewing on those, you will be fed more than you've ever imagined. And your life will be changed. And your life will multiply. And you will live in the promises that God has given you. We don't live by bread and meat and and political slavery and, and oppression. We live by the very word of God. And here's one of the great miracles. For 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. And about 15 chapters later, it says in one that their sandals didn't wear out. And it's not like your sandals or my sandals. Yeah, I've had a pair of sandals for 10 years. They wore theirs every day. You wear yours every 14 days. Their sandals didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. God provided not only their physical needs, but also their clothing needs, their spiritual needs, because even though they complained and whined and were disobedient, he still took them out of there. And he still brought solutions. So what do we do to close? Trust is a learned behavior. If you're a psychology major or if you love psychology, it's learned. I've got to believe, and that's why they do this trust fall. I've got to believe that there's people back there that love me enough that they're going to catch me. And maybe if they don't catch me, they jump down and fall so I don't break my back or my neck, right? I've got to learn to trust people. And here's the thing about trust. If you have ever been hurt before by a human being, it's really hard to trust, especially if they were a, a, a parent or, 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 or an adult in your life. It's really then hard to trust. But it doesn't mean that you can't trust. And what you need to do is ask God, help me trust you, Lord, because you're the one that doesn't fail. Humans fail. God never fails. It's learned behavior. The second thing you need to know is it's not easy. It's super easy to talk about it. It's not easy to do it. I know it's hard to trust in dark times. I understand it. I've had my own. And I have to practice it and I have to quit complaining. It's not gonna be easy, but it can happen and it will happen. So let me give you some takeaways today real quick. Takeaways in trusting in God. Now, I. I know it's easy to trust in God. So most of these takeaways are for you that are in the desert right now, that you that are lost or wandering and don't feel connected, this is for you. So I understand this works for both sides, but really it's for those in the desert. First of all, trusting God is waiting in God. In October last year, a group of us went to Maverick City and I was in the middle of this worship set. It was one of the greatest moments. And all God said was, I need you to wait, Jeff. And the truth is, I complained. But I also know how to wait. So I'm waiting. Because God is about to do something and we're waiting. And so we just wait. So part of trusting God is waiting on God. Trusting God is being content with God. That he is enough. I had this friend, uh, Eric Kennelty, did a bunch of great work in the back of my yard. And he used to come to me and he used to say, is God enough? Is Christ enough? What happened on the cross? Is that enough? 
And you have to come to that decision in your own life. I can't give that to you. I can just share with you it's enough. The third part is this. It's a choice. Somebody in here today has to make a daily choice. I'm going to trust you today. Lord, I haven't trusted you for 10 years. I haven't trusted you for three years. I've never trusted you in my life. You've got to make a decision that I'm going to fall back, Lord, and I know that you're going to be there because it's a choice. It's a process and it takes time. I'd love to tell you that I'm going to pray for you back at the corner where my buddy Larry is right day, today, but it's going to take time. It just takes one day at a time. And if you can trust today, try it again tomorrow and it takes time. The second thing, is, or the, the couple more, crying out to the Lord. Instead of complaining, cry out to Him. Instead of complaining, cry out, Lord, I need you. Not, Lord, I hate you and I don't believe you, but Lord, I need you. And if you can help me just for today, show me a pathway through the Red Sea. I promise you, I'm going to keep trusting you, even if it doesn't work out the way that I want it to work out. Don't complain, cry out to him. Trusting is obeying God no matter what. And trust me, I am not an obedient person. But I've learned to obey because it's a learned behavior too. Trusting is obedience and obeying. And here's the last one, and this is the hardest one. My sister was kind of talking to me this week, and she's like, having gratitude instead of complaining. An attitude of gratitude instead of complaining. Instead of worrying and wondering and doubting, but just going, you've got me here, Lord. And here's the thing, God has got you here for a reason today. And the idea here was wherever you're at, whatever struggle, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, God has got you here. And here's the thing about churches. And here's the thing about sermons. And here's the thing about today. All the technical issues, all the prayers, all the worship, all the coffee set up, all the stuff that we've done comes to this moment right now. Everything that I said just points to right now. Trusting in God is the solution to your life. It's the active part of a belief system and you have to be actively trusting to actively grow in your faith. And it starts by claiming Jesus. And I know there's a lot of people that need to reconnect today or connect for the first time. And so all we need to do today is confess from my mouth and believe in my heart, Jesus is Lord. Or if you've done that before, just say, Father, I'm crying out to you and I need you. It starts right now. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in your glory and we praise you and we thank you. Teach us how to be obedient. Teach us how to wait upon you and not complain, but to cry out. And as Tara said from the very beginning, teach us how to abide in you. Abide, abide, abide in you, Father. And Lord, I know there's a bunch of people here and even more online that are watching right now and you're here for a reason. And you need to recommit or reconnect or maybe for the first time, just say these words. It goes like this. If that's you, just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. And be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me. And you rose again three days later 
so that I can be in eternity with you forever. I, I ask Holy Spirit to take my mind, my body, and my soul and lead me on this journey. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.